Romans, the book of Romans, Romans chapter number 8. In your Bibles tonight, Romans chapter number 8. And we're going to carry on just a little further tonight with our series on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I think this is going to be a help to you. I believe it's going to be a blessing. I know it sure was a blessing to me. And I hope that I can give you what the Lord has shown to me. And so I want to draw your attention to uh, to three verses specifically, and I'm just trying to figure out whether to read maybe a little bit more than what I'd planned on reading because it's just all so great. Uh, Romans chapter 8 is uh, such a great chapter. And so I'll tell you what let's do. Uh, just so we get the good of it, let's, let's go and let's start in verse number 6 tonight. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 6. And when you find your places, if you're able to stand... Let's stand tonight out of respect for the reading of God's Word. And I want you to really, really hang on every word and pay attention to every word here. And then we're going to get to some very significant verses that we're going to try to teach on and teach out of just a little bit tonight as we talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, the Bible says in Romans 8, verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life. Because of righteousness. I want you to notice that uh, as we read through this tonight, and if you read the whole chapter, you'll find that word life. You'll find it quite a few times throughout this this chapter. Verse 10 again. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself, watch this now. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God. And joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. You may be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention to verse number 16 especially. Now, we're going to preach around uh, around this, and then we're also going to get a little bit into Romans chapter 9 tonight. But I want to draw your attention especially to Romans 8 and verse number 16. And the Bible says, the Spirit... And you'll notice that is speaking of the Holy Spirit. It's capitalized. This is a personality. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so let's talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit tonight. And I believe this is going to be a help to you. And uh, we won't be long at all tonight. But you hang in there with us tonight because I believe this will be a blessing. So let's pray. Father, thanks for giving us a wonderful day in your house. We sure love this place. And we love this people. We love the house of God. Lord, help us to be very, very careful to love the God of the house more than we love the house of God. Father, thank you for what you did for us this morning. Wonderful service, encouraging. Father, we went away encouraged, I believe. I I still want to pray for those that raised their hands this morning who said that they were unsure of heaven. Father, I pray that you would bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus before it's eternally too late. God, there could be somebody here tonight or maybe somebody watching by way of the live stream that doesn't know that they know that they're saved and on their way to heaven. God, tonight I pray that you would show them their need 
And I pray they would come to Christ. Then, Lord, there could be someone here tonight that's battling with this thing of assurance of salvation. Well, Lord, I pray tonight that you would, that you would help them. And I pray that they would leave here tonight with a greater assurance of their salvation in and through Jesus Christ. So, Lord, help us now. Spirit of God, breathe upon us. We plead the blood of Jesus over the service. And, God, we pray that you would have your way. Father, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Well, let's review just for a moment tonight. We said, number one, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to guide. John 16, verse 13, Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide. He will guide you into all truth. It's the Greek word hadigio, and it means to show the way. And uh, we mentioned, of course, that um, how, how we use uh, a, a global positioning system nowadays, GPS. And we said that the Holy Spirit is much like that GPS in a spiritual, in a spiritual realm. And so the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to guide. Then we said, number two, that it is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to assist. John 14, 16, the Bible says, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. That word comforter is the Greek word parakletos and it means called to one's aid, called to one's assistant, uh, assistance, called to one's side. And so thank God we have an aid, we have an assistant, we had one that is right there by our side. Thank God, God is not necessarily ahead of us or behind us. He's just right there by our side. What a blessing that is. And so the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to uh, assist. Then we said number three, it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to convict. John 16, verse eight, the Bible says, and when he has come, he, the Holy Spirit, will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And then we talked about this just a little bit. We said it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to teach. John 14, verse 26 says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. But I wanna go a little further tonight and I believe that this is gonna encourage you. I believe it's gonna help you tonight. It sure has helped me. How about this? Number next is this. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to assure. It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to assure. Now look back, if you will, at Romans 8. And we're going to read verses 14 through 16 again. The Bible says, and this is where we're going to camp out a little bit tonight. The Bible says in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness. Now notice the wording here. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So if you like to mark up your Bibles tonight, then I wanna encourage you to underline those two words, beareth witness. The spirit itself beareth witness. Circle those words, beareth witness. Interesting word. The word witness is the Greek word samartrio. And, and, and it means this, it means to corroborate. To corroborate. So you can read it like this. It is the, the, the spirit itself corroborates with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, that's not a, a word that we use a whole lot. Most of you, if you're here tonight and you're a, a, an attorney or if you're in law enforcement, you might use that word a lot more than us lay folks would. And so I looked up that word corroborate. Now, hang on because uh, this gets pretty exciting here in just a little bit. But it's a transitive verb. The word corroborates a transitive verb, and it means this. It means to support with evidence or authority. And then it goes on to say this. It means to make more certain is what the word corroborate means. So the Holy Spirit makes our salvation more certain by way of corroboration. Now, if you're not following me, hang on, because you will here in just a few minutes, but, but, but hang in there with us as we lay a little bit of a foundation, corroboration. I wanna get that word in your mind tonight because we're gonna take the whole time tonight and we're gonna talk about that word corroboration. Corroboration is amazingly important. Now, again, I wanna give you that, that uh, definition to support with evidence or authority to make more certain. So 
If somebody accuses Brother Rodney of a crime or they accuse him of being in a crime scene and maybe somebody loses their life at this crime scene and, uh, and somebody says, yep, yeah, Rodney Tomlin, he was there. He was there. And he was there when it happened, same time that person got murdered or the same time this crime was committed. Uh, it, was, it was him and there is some evidence maybe to, to substantiate that. But all of a sudden, Brother Rodney has three, four, five, six, seven witnesses that can corroborate his whereabouts when that crime took place. And so uh, the police call Brother Rodney in and, and they say, Mr. Tomlin, were you at such and such a place? It was reported you were there. And Brother Rodney says, I'm telling you, I was not there. Wasn't anywhere close. And they say to Brother Rodney, well, Mr. Tomlin, do you have any witnesses that can corroborate your story? And Brother Rodney says, I sure do. We were having a cookout. I mean, we were having a big cookout and we were making some homemade ice cream and uh, man, we were making some vanilla, you know, or some peach and, and we had some steaks on the grill and uh, Brother Mike was there and Brother Drake was there and Brother Terry was there and Brother Russell was there and Brother Wayne was there and their wives were there and we were there from seven o'clock to 10 o'clock that night and, and, uh, and they say, well, Mr. Tomlin, would it be okay if we call these? He said, absolutely, you call them in and so they called all these witnesses in and all these witnesses corroborate Brother Rodney's story and they say absolutely we were with him he was with us there's no way possible that he could have been at that place where you say this crime just took place now you know what happens folks that goes a long long ways to making sure that Brother Rodney is never convicted of that crime did you know in the same way it is the Holy Spirit that corroborates our witness of being saved. Now, you say, Pastor, how does, that, how does that take place? Well, let me tell you some ways that that takes place, that thing of corroboration. First of all, we notice the Holy Spirit corroborates our salvation experience by life, by life. It's the Spirit of God that causes you and I to have life instead of bondage. Now again, if you go back and read Romans 8, you'll find that word life, live, you'll find that word over and over again in Romans chapter 8. Now there's a reason for that because it is the Holy Spirit, yes, it is the Holy Spirit that when you are born again and the Spirit of God takes up resonance inside your body and your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit that helps you and I to begin having life. We've been given life. We passed from death unto life. And so the Holy Spirit corroborates our salvation experience by life. But let's look at it tonight. Look at Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to show you several verses tonight. Romans chapter 8, look at verse number 2. The Bible says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. Now watch church. But to be spiritually minded is what? Is life. And not only life, but what else? Peace. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Skip down to verse number 11. The Bible says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Now very simply put, church, this is what our Bible is teaching. It is the Spirit of God inside of us that helps us put down this body of sin. The Bible mentions they're mortified. That, that last verse we read, verse 13. For if ye, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify, if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body. You know what that word mortify means? It means to put to death. 
Now, we preached on that a number of weeks ago. We talked about this, the assassinating the old man, but it is, it is the Holy Spirit putting that old nature to death. It is the Holy Spirit that restrains that old Adamic nature and gives new life to you if you have been genuinely born again. Now, that's not popular preaching, but it's Bible preaching. <laughs> now you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Now listen to this and listen closely. The person who testifies of being saved and yet their physical man is still very much in control is giving a false witness. The Holy Spirit's gonna have a problem corroborating that witness. And somebody says, oh, I'm saved. But they live the same old wicked lifestyle they've always lived, drinking the same thing they've always drunk, smoking the same mess they've always smoked, going to the same places they've always gone, hanging around the same crowd they've always hung around, and then they want to come up and say, well, I'm going to tell you what, I am saved. You know, what, you know what's going on here? The Spirit of God, according to that book right there, the Spirit of God is not corroborating their story. He is not bearing witness. It is not the Spirit of God that's saying, that's right, that is, that's exactly right. Yes, he's living wickedly and immorally and enjoying it all, but he is really born again. I want to tell you something. The Spirit of God will never give that testimony. And so it's the Spirit of God that gives us life. It's the Holy Spirit that corroborates uh, the witness for our, our, our salvation. And that salvation testimony ought to have life. There ought to be something that's different. Listen, if I come to you and I say that I love that little redhead over there, and you say, preacher, do you love Miss Tammy? Oh, man. Man, I'm going to tell you what. I love that little redhead. I love her like there's no tomorrow. I love her, and I do. But if I were to say, boy, I love Miss Tammy, and yet I'm running around, unfaithful, uh, never do anything for, never bring anything home for, never do anything sweet for, never spend any time with her. Every time she wants to do something, I say, I don't have time. Every time she wants to go on a date, I don't have time to go on a date. I mean, I'm hardly ever home. We hardly ever spend any time together. I'm running around with other, uh, you know, other females. And then I have the audacity. I had the audacity to say, boy, I want to tell you something. I love that little lady over there. The truth of the matter is my witness is not true. And for somebody to say, I am saved, but I can live any way I want to live. I'm telling you something. The spirit of God is not corroborating that witness. He's not. Now, that's not popular preaching anymore in this climate in which we're living in this society. Our, this new society is, you know what? We're under grace, and as long as I'm saved, I can do anything I want to do and talk any way I want to talk, and I can live any way I want to live. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you what, that is, uh, that's correct con uh, according to this new uh, philosophy, but I'm telling you, it is absolutely incorrect when it comes to the holy word of God. In fact, listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17 says. Therefore, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now listen, Calvary, I'm not saying that you're gonna become super Christian overnight. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that you're gonna get saved and you're gonna be D.L. Moody. I'm not saying that you're gonna get saved and you're gonna be the next Billy Graham. I'm not saying that, but I am saying this. If you are genuinely born again and the Spirit of God is living inside of you, let me tell you something. He is going to be giving you life and not death. There's going to be something new. There's going to be something different about you. You're going to have a new spirit. You're going to have a new walk. You're going to have a new talk. You're going to have a new, uh, a, a new step in your step. I'm telling you why. Because the Holy Spirit of God makes a difference in your Life. And so how does the Holy Spirit corroborate our, our salvation experience? Number one, by life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, but there's something else. Not only does the Holy Spirit 
corroborate our salvation experience by life, but watch this, church. The Holy Spirit corroborates our salvation experience by leading, leading. If a person is genuinely born again, you know what's gonna happen? The Holy Ghost of God is going to begin to lead them spiritually. Now, don't take my word for that. I want you to see it yourself. Look at Romans 8, and I want you to find your place to verse number 14. The Bible says, and I want you to examine yourself tonight. Romans 8, 8, 14, this perfect Bible under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul, writing to these Romans under the inspiration of the Spirit of God says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So if I read that right, I believe I do, if you are a son of God, you're gonna be led by the Holy Spirit. That word led is the Greek word ago, and it means, it means to move. It means to impale. And so this is what our Bible is saying. If you're a child of God, if you're legitimately a child of God, the Holy Spirit's gonna move you. He's gonna move you to do some things. Now, happen overnight? Might not happen overnight, but it's gonna happen. The Spirit of God is going to begin to move you. He's gonna begin to lead you. What do you mean, preacher? Well, I wrote several things down here. Number one, the Holy Spirit will move you to witness. Acts 1.8, listen to Acts 1.8. The Bible says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me. You know what I believe? I believe that when you are genuinely born again, the Spirit of God begins to move you to witness. You say, Pastor, I'm scared to death. I understand. I remember when I got saved. I remember when I first got saved, and I had a desire to lead some people to Jesus, but I didn't know how. And you've heard my testimony. Man, I was going out here to West Ardo High School, and a good friend of mine, just a good buddy, and, and I had such a burden for him. I wanted to lead him to Jesus. And I remember we had Tuesday night visitation at Eufaula, and, and, uh, and uh, me and uh, and uh, it was uh, Miss Tina, Miss Tina's dad. We went out together as visiting partners. And, uh, and I told Wayne, I said, Wayne, I want to go to, and I called this young man's name, and I said, I want to go by his house and visit with him. And so sure enough, we went by and had a good visit, and I remember, oh, man, I remember wanting to lead him to Christ. But I didn't know how to do it. And I remember we had a gospel track at the church, and it was one of those, <laughs> it's one of those, kind of folds out, you know, and, and it was, you know, it was probably a great track, but it was very wordy. And I remember that night just reading that track, trying to get this young man saved, and we left the house, and he didn't get saved. But you know what? I wanted to lead him to Christ. You say, Pastor, why? Can I tell you why? Because the Holy Spirit had saved me. I didn't know I was going to be preaching. I didn't know I was going to become the pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church. All I knew was this, that, the, that God had saved me and the Holy Spirit came to live inside of me. And when the Spirit of God came to live inside of me, it gave me an automatic desire to try to, to, try to witness and lead somebody to Jesus. And by the way, do you have that same desire? When you're at work, when you're at school, when you're seated beside a, a, a schoolmate and they're lost and you know they're lost and don't go to church anywhere, they don't testify of being, uh, being born again. Hey, do you have a desire to lead them to Jesus? Do you have a desire to lead your family members to Christ? Mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, your children, your grandchildren? Now, what I'm saying is this. The way the Holy Spirit corroborates our witnesses by this, he leads us. And one of the things he leads us to is he leads us to a witness very quickly. Number, number next is this, the Holy Spirit will lead you to desire truth. John 16, 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. You know what I believe that, that means? I believe the Holy Spirit will give you a desire for church. I believe he'll give you a desire for preaching. I believe he'll give you a desire for good Bible teaching. People who say, I'm saved, but I don't have one desire to go to, go to church. You say, preacher, are you judging? I'm not judging. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm not judging, but I think the Bible is judging. 
So I'm not going to judge. I have no idea. I can't see on the inside. Only God sees the inside. But I'm just trying to read what God says here. And God says, you know what? When I, when I save you and the Spirit of God comes to live inside you, you know what's going to happen? He's going to start guiding you to have a desire for truth. That's why you're here tonight. Could you be at home tonight in your easy chair? You could be. Could you be at home tonight watching the football game like, like the rest of the world? You could be. And sometimes your family members are just blown away because they're like, you mean y'all go back on Sunday night? Y'all go back on Sunday night? Yeah. And then they find out you go Wednesday night. Man, that just blows their mind. And they're like, what? Y'all go back on Wednesday night? Yeah. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school, Bible conferences, revivals, youth meetings. Man, it's nothing to come here any day of the week and there's something going on. Now, that's odd to the world. It's not odd to us. You know why? Because when you are genuinely born again and God puts his Holy Spirit inside of you, the Spirit of God begins to guide you into truth and you have a desire for preaching and a desire for teaching and a desire to learn those things. I'll tell you something else. The Holy Spirit will move you or lead you to use your gifts. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number seven. The Bible says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now you read that later in your devotions. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is talking about the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. If you're truly saved tonight, Calvary, you're gonna have a desire to learn what your gift is. And then you want to start using it for the glory of God. I believe that. And I, you're not going to convince me otherwise. I believe that. I don't think spirit-filled Christians are satisfied with sitting. Just coming in, taking 22 inches of, of foam up, you know, one service a week. And, uh, well, I, you know what? I paid my dues. Brother, if that's your attitude, probably what needs to happen is you need to get born again. No. Man, you're going to have a desire. You're going to have a desire to, to have truth. But not only that, but you're going to have a desire to say, oh, Lord, show me what my gift is. And, and Lord, get me busy. Get me busy serving the Lord. And so the Holy Spirit will, will lead you and the Holy Spirit will guide you. Now, again, what are we talking about? It's the Holy Ghost of God that corroborates your salvation experience. He witnesses. Oh, yes, he's saved. Well, how do we know he's saved? He's saved because of that new life that's inside of him. He's saved because I'm leading him to do some things. But I want to tell you something else. Not only does the Holy Spirit lead us or move us to some things, but church, the Holy Spirit will move us away from some things. What are you talking about, pastor? The Holy Spirit will move you away from sin and then in the direction of righteousness. Now, just for a minute, I want you to turn away from Romans 8. Hold your place there, but I want you to turn over with me to John 16, and I want to show you something that, man, the Holy Spirit showed me this week, and I believe it'll be a help to you tonight. Uh, John chapter 16, hold your place in Romans 8, but look over at John 16 and verse number 8. And I want to give you something here that, that, that God gave me this week, and I never saw it like this before. John 16 and verse number eight, the Bible says in when he, Jesus, is talking to his disciples and he's talking about sending the Holy Spirit and, it, and so the he is the Holy Spirit. Verse eight, when he has come, look what he will do. The Bible says he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now, Hear me out, church. We'll be done here in just a minute. Did you know, technically speaking, the Holy Spirit does not convict the Christian of sin. He convicts the world of sin. You say, Pastor, never heard that before. Well, look at it. Look, look if you will, at verse number eight. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. What does that mean? Well, look at verse nine. And he gives us understanding of what that means. Verse nine, of sin because they believe 
Not on me. Hey, I got good news. That's not you and me. We believe on him. That's why you're here tonight. It's why you walked in the house. It's why you got baptized. It's why you turned off your television, got out of the easy chair, and you came to the house of God. Tonight. Why? Because you believe on him. You believe on him. And so the Bible says that the Holy Spirit convicts, convicts the world. Why? Because of sin. But look what it says. He convicts the, the, the Christian of righteousness. Look at it again. Verse number eight. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Verse nine, of sin. Why? Because they, the world, believe not on me. Verse 10, of righteousness. Because I go to my Father and ye, that's the saved, and ye see me no more. And so it is, it is the Holy Spirit that convicts the Christian of righteousness. Now, you say, Pastor, what is the difference? Listen to this. The Holy Spirit will come to the Christian and not necessarily convict you of sin, but I tell you what he will do. He'll convict you of righteousness. In other words, the Spirit of God will come to you and as the tempter is tempting you, the Holy Spirit will remind you you're righteous. In Jesus Christ, you're righteous. You remember that day when you got saved? You remember that revival when you walked the aisle and you gave your heart to Christ? You remember that? Yes, I remember that. You're righteous. In Jesus, you're righteous. And the Holy Spirit will say, righteous people don't act like that. Righteous people don't talk like that. Now, I'm going to convict the world of sin because they believe me not. They talk a certain way, act a certain way, live a certain way. But the Spirit of God comes to us as a child, as a child of God. And he says, listen, you are saved. You're born again. And because you're born again, you don't act like that. Hey, have you ever done this? I know I did. There were times when our kids were growing up and they were acting like a bunch of dummies. And I would say to them, I would say to them something like this. I didn't try to convince them they weren't a part of our family. But I would just say, hey, straighten up. The popes don't act like that. They say, I don't like that. Well, we might ought to get back to some of that again. You're a pope. And because you're a pope, we don't act like that. You got that? Did you know the Holy Spirit will come to us and he'll say, you're saved. You remember when you got born again? Yes, Lord. You don't act like that. When you're in the family of God, you don't act like a child of the devil. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness. Listen to Galatians chapter 5, verse number 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying. You don't act like that. You don't act like that. Why? Because you're saved. You're righteous. That's not the way righteous people act. Amen. Amen. That's good preaching, whether we like it or not tonight. And so the Holy Spirit convicts you and I of righteousness. Now, wait a minute, preacher. What are you, what are you saying? I'm saying this. That's how you know you're saved. That's how you know you're saved. I have had people tell me in 30 years of pastoring, preacher, I sin, my sin doesn't bother me, but I'm saved. Church, I'm just telling you something. The Spirit of God is not corroborating your story. That is anti-Bible. If you are genuinely born again, I'm not saying that you can't fall away. I'm not saying that you can't stumble. I'm not saying anything like that, but I am saying this, that if you are a child of God and you get away from the Lord, he's coming the Holy Spirit's coming your way, and he's going to say, hey, you're righteous. What are you not, what are you doing out of church? Hey, hey, it's 7.08 on Sunday night. Hello? It's 7.08 on Sunday night. What are you doing watching the Panthers? Hey, it's 7.08 on Sunday night. What are, you do watching, what are you doing watching NASCAR? It's what the world does. 
That's not what the family does. That's not what the righteous do. Now, don't look at conviction of righteousness as a bad thing. Conviction of righteousness is a great thing. And by the way, thank God that we are in a church that preaches righteousness. And sometimes a lot of people sort of stray away from a church like this because they don't want anybody to, pl- to, to plow close to their corn. But that's the Holy Ghost that does that. And so, by the way, if you come in here and the, the Spirit of God begins to, he begins to lead you and begins to move you to some things and move you away from some things, man, what you ought to do is run down to the altar and just say, hallelujah. You say, preach, you say, hallelujah, because the Holy Spirit's convicting of righteousness? Yeah, because you know what he's saying? You're saved, you're saved. He's corroborating your story. He's giving witness that you're born again. And so number one, he corroborates our salvation experience by life. He corroborates our salvation experience by leading. But last of all tonight, look at this Calvary. The Holy Spirit corroborates our salvation experience by loving, by loving. Hey, did you know that, it's a, it, it, that it is the Spirit of God that causes us to love a lost world? Now look at it in your Bibles. Look at Romans chapter 9. Go forward to Romans chapter 9 and look at verse number 1 tonight. Romans 9 verse 1. And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this. He says in verse number 1, Romans 9 verse 1, Paul said, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. Boy, he's getting pretty serious here. And then he says this, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Hey, is that not what we're talking about tonight? And Paul says that that Holy Spirit's corroborating our witness here. Verse two, look at this. Paul said that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. You know what Paul was saying? Man, I want, my, I want my people to be saved. Man, I, I love those that I'm coming in contact with. Now they're lost. But Paul said, man, I love those people that I'm coming in contact with. They don't act like me. They don't talk like me. They don't live like me. They're lost without Jesus. But Paul is saying this, I love them. I love them. Church, I believe that without a shadow of a doubt, that is an evidence of a spirit-filled church. What are you talking about, Pastor? A spirit-filled church loves everybody. I'll say that again. A spirit-filled church loves everybody. Now, I want to tell you something. A church that is exclusive and unwelcoming is a contradiction to spirit-fullness. And there are churches that litter our land like that all over America when people walk in and uh, maybe they've never been to church before and they don't look like us and they don't talk like us and they don't act like us and they walk into the house of God lost and church after church after church sort of excludes them and ushers them back out the door. I'm telling you something, that is contrary to Scripture. If we are spirit-filled, we're going to love the world. I'm not talking about love the ways of the world. I'm not talking about that at all. That's contrary to the last point that I just gave you, but we will love the world when they walk in here and you can tell they're lost. They don't know Christ. Oh, listen, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna love those folks. Listen to me. Don't tell me that you're spirit-filled when you're more concerned about your seat than you are about the sinner. Hang the seat. Bring a pillow and sit on the floor. Why? Because we ought to be welcoming sinners in. Why? Because that's what a spirit-filled church does. Spirit-filled people in a spirit-filled church loves the world. Listen, don't tell me that you're more, that you're spirit-filled when you're more concerned about skin color than about sinners being saved. Well, I don't know about those black people who've been coming, preacher. Let me tell you something, church. You better get over that. Well, that's just the way I am. Well, I'm saying you just better get over it. 
because you're about to live in eternity forever with every race under the sun. And so we better learn to love people right where they are and regardless of who they are. And by the way, you do, and and I'm thankful for that. And I said this Wednesday night and didn't want to get too specific, but I'm going to tell you what, what a joy as a pastor to see people walk in this church and then always look like us, but to look and watch people just love on them. I'm telling, I'm telling you something, brother. You don't know what a blessing that is to a pastor. And thank God, thank God, as far as I know, we're not battling with that at Calvary, but I'm telling you, it's epidemic in our nation. If we're really spirit-filled, we're going to love the world. But I want to tell you something else, and we're we're done tonight. Not only does the Holy Spirit help us to love the lost world, but it's the Spirit of God that causes us to love the family of God. Now, we're done, but I want you to look at a few last scriptures, and we're out of here at 714. We're doing great on time tonight. 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. Let me show you a few verses, and we're out of here. You say, Pastor, how can I know if I'm saved? Well, if you're genuinely saved and the Holy Ghost lives inside of you, you're going to love a lost world. But I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this as well, church. If you are saved and filled with the Spirit of God, you're going to love the family of God. You're going to love them. Here again, I'm not asking you to take my word for this. Who cares about my word? I want you to care about his word tonight. Look what he says in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 9. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 9. The Holy Spirit said this, He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother. Is in, what's it say? Did Brother Pope write that? Pastor Pope didn't write those words. How many believe the Holy Spirit wrote those words? He that saith he is in the light. Oh, yeah, I'm saved. And hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. Now, I know. I know where we are. And people are like, well, I'll tell you one thing, Brother Pope. He's nothing but a judge. Friend, you're not looking at the judge. And you won't stand before me one day. I'm just, I'm just telling us that, that the Holy Ghost has already spoken. And he said, if you say you're saved and you hate your brothers and your sisters in Christ, you are lost. That's what he said. But boy, if daddy says something once, that's important, isn't it? But if daddy says something twice, hey, would you look over at 1 John chapter 3 and look at verse number 10. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 10. Preacher, how can I know that I'm saved? Well, look what our Bible says. 1 John 3 verse 10. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. In other words, this is how you know you're saved. This is how you know you're lost. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his, his brother. Same chapter, skip down to verse 14. 1 John 3, 14, we know. (laughs) Preacher, how can I know, though? How can I know I'm saved? Well, look what the Bible says. We know. Well, that's a pretty good start, isn't it? We know that we have passed from death unto life. Wow, how can I know? Well, read on. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Turn over your page. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Verse number 20. If daddy says something once, that's important. If daddy says something over and over and over and over again, he's trying to send us a great message here. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 20. The Bible says, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a... What? He is a liar. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. Now, church, 
Thank God we go to a loving church. When you meet people along the way, people used to be in church, people used to attend churches and be in ministries, and you're like, yeah, where are you going to church at now? We don't go anywhere. Don't have any plans of going anywhere. Brother so-and-so in that church, I'm going to tell you what, I can't stand his guts. I wouldn't stand in his shadow. Are you saved? Yes, sir, I'm born again. Let me tell you something. And if you go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, would you corroborate his story? And the Holy Spirit says, no way. There is no evidence that that man, according to this book, that that man's born again. Well, this is tough preaching tonight, isn't it? You know what I believe, you know what I believe that's teaching us tonight? If, if there is somebody that you're at odds with, and not necessarily in this church, but if there's someone that you're at odds with, the best you can, you ought to try to make it right. Now, they may not, and you can't determine what they do, but you know what, church? You can determine what you do. And you ought to do your best to make it right. Why? Why? Because that's what children of God do. They love the brethren. Somebody said this. Somebody said, if you and I, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And so that's something to think about. Well, thank God tonight, church, we have a Holy Spirit and his ministry is to assure, his ministry is to corroborate. His ministry is to, you say, Pastor, how do I know that I'm saved? Go back and look. Do you have some of these evidences in your life? You know, church, here's the problem. We're done. You can close your Bibles. Here's the problem. Here, I got a, a real problem with this right here. There are so many people in our area, if you were to ask them if they're saved, they would say, oh, yeah, I'm saved because they signed a card or they went forward in an altar or somebody dunked them under some water or something like that, but they cannot point back to any of these evidences. And yet they want to try to say that they're born again. I'm saying this, that if you're truly born again and the Holy Ghost has taken up resonance in your life, there's going to be a change. A change is going to take place. Let's pray. Father, Thank you. I hope we've learned something tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for that corroboration of the Holy Ghost. Father, I'm thankful that he corroborates my salvation experience by life. Lord, I'm glad my life's changed. Perfect? No, no, no. I'm not perfect by any stretch. I'm a sinner saved by grace. But I'm glad that there's some evidence of life in my life since I've been born again. And then, Lord, I'm glad that I can look back and I can say, boy, I know I'm born again because the Holy Spirit is leading. He leads me. He shows me what to do. He leads me in how to talk. He leads me in how to live, how to act. But then, Lord, I, I'm so glad that I can say, boy, I know I'm saved because I love the brethren now, they don't all, all act like me. They don't all talk like me. But I'm glad, Lord, you've given me a love for this lost world. And I'm glad you've given me a love for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And personally speaking, Lord, I can't wait to get in here on Sunday morning. I can't wait because I love the brethren. Father, I pray that you would help us to examine ourselves tonight. That we're in the faith. Lord, if there's someone here tonight and they say, I can't, my witness can't be corroborated by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray tonight that they'll come to Jesus. So Lord, help us. Give us that assurance of salvation. Sweet Holy Spirit, I pray you'll do that. And Father, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two. How many are here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I've been born again. And if that's you, 
You just slip your hand up tonight and say, Preacher, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. Is there anyone here tonight, anywhere, front, back, on the sides, anywhere? And you'd say, Pastor, I don't know that I'm genuinely born again. I don't know. I want to go to heaven, but I'm just not sure that it would. I'm not sure that the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And I need your prayers tonight. If that's you, without anybody looking, if that's you, would you just let me pray for you? You just slip your hand up right now. And say, Pastor, I don't have that evidence of being born again. I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that anywhere here tonight that I could pray for? Let's all stand around the house tonight, if you will, please. Father, thank you for blessing us today. Father, thank you for the, this precious book. Thank you for the Word of God. And Father, thank you for giving us a Holy Spirit that bears witness, that corroborates our story, that we've been born again. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that there are some evidences. We sure appreciate that. Lord, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation. Maybe there's one here tonight who needs to come and pray. Maybe somebody needs to come rededicate their life to Jesus. Father, maybe somebody's here tonight. They've been saved, but they've not followed in believer's baptism yet. And they need to make themselves a candidate for baptism. Or maybe there's someone, Lord, and they're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And they're feeling that God may be leading them here, whatever it may be. And it could be a number of other things. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll work in their hearts and help them to come tonight, please. And we thank you. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm gonna ask our personal workers if they would just tiptoe down in the altar here. And we have some folks down here in the altar with a Bible. And if you're here tonight and you need prayer, if you need somebody to pray with you, we've got some folks down here that have a Bible in their hand. They'd love to pray with you tonight. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm saved. Hey, listen, whatever you do, good night. Don't leave here lost tonight. Don't leave here lost. You come while we wait. We're going to pause just for a minute. And you come tonight. Would you come? Would you come while we wait? Pastor, I just need somebody to pray with me about some things tonight. Altars are open. You come tonight while we wait. We'll pause just for a moment. 